Hello, my viewers and listeners. Welcome to another episode of my podcast, Data Science with Sam, the show where we dive into the fascinating world of data science, AI, and other technological innovations. I'm your host, Sam, and today we have an incredibly special episode lined up for you. In today's session, we're going to explore an idea that what is the main role of data scientists in this intriguing generative AI era, a topic that has been making waves recently. We, we have with us a special guest, a data scientist for that, and she's going to share her insights and experience related to that topic. But before we dive into today's topic, I want to take a moment to remind everyone that the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of any organizations or institutes. Our discussions are intended to provide diverse perspectives and stimulate thoughts and conversation, but they do not serve as professional advice on the topic at hand. We encourage our listeners to critically think about and independently research any topics discussed here. Now let's get started. Marina, uh, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Yeah, hi Sam. So I'm fine. Uh, so I just wanted to introduce myself. Uh, I'm a principal consultant and uh, data scientist in uh, uh, Bellabsk, uh, Bellabsk Consulting, and uh, I have a big uh, uh, experience both in uh, uh, my own domain, uh, which is uh, telecom. Uh, I have been working for more than 15 years as a project manager in uh, uh, different telecom projects uh, for different telecom equipment. And uh, as well, I have a data scientist, uh, data scientist experience and background. That's great. Um, it is great to know that, Marina, you had a fascinating journey uh, throughout your 15 years of professional career. Now you're literally getting into the field of data science. And um, again, this, this particular generative AI era has been kind of like taking the whole technology world and into strong. So we're going to talk a little bit about that, especially I'm interested to uh, hear about hear your perspective and opinions about how a data scientist like you could fit into this generative AI era and how it could be an influential, um, you know, like a person to bring more innovation to the table. So having said that, I'm going to dive into the first question for today's discussion. Uh, how has the role of data scientist evolved with the advent and growth of generative AI technologies? As for example, like we have seen that how the generative AI's, you know, like innovation, for example, the OpenAI's ChatGPT model and other uh, LLM models made a huge impact in the AI world in recent one year. So how do you think that the data scientists would fit into that role and how they're going to influence more innovation in the generative AI era in forthcoming years? Yeah, thank you for the question, Sam. Uh, so I think uh, that uh, first, it's really hard to uh, keep uh, keep up with the rapid advancement of technologies. It's definitely because uh, last year was a real uh, boost of technologies, yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, a complete revolution probably in some uh, uh, in some uh, spaces. Uh, and um, the difference, uh, like uh, what what had changed for the data scientists uh, in that new era. Uh, is basically a need to keep keep themselves up with uh, with that uh, big girls, and um, uh, definitely I would speak uh, like it's my 
personal opinion and also it is uh, 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 going about uh, generative AI only, uh, not for the discriminative AI or machine learning, which definitely left the same, like they will not probably uh, disappear anywhere. Uh, data scientists still need to have a big knowledge in the like in the areas of uh, machine learning and uh, discriminative AI, uh, like uh, as before. But additional to that, they really um, now need to understand also the domain expertise of the areas uh, where they start to work. Uh, why? Because in case if uh, we're talking about generative AI, it is mostly text models. It definitely can be applied for the uh, numeric data. Uh, but uh, like, if you can see, it's all the charts, all the, you know, like all the analysis of text, etc. Yeah. And if you are going uh, to analyze numeric data, you can take the KPIs from your uh, domain knowledge experts and you can test your AI results versus those uh, numeric KPIs. In case if we are talking about text, uh, it's really hard to understand from your domain expert what he needs uh, and what he, success criteria he will have. You will need a bit more to understand the domain in order to uh, judge yourself whether what you have done uh, complies with the requirements and uh, solves the business target uh, which your customers have essentially. So like that's the first thing which is uh, I think it is very different uh, from what it was. And uh, so the second thing, it is definitely ethics, uh, because as we know, uh, new uh, generative AI models have uh, issues with bias, uh, with uh, hallucination and uh, all that stuff. So uh, everybody who is working with them, like as a data scientist, uh, need to ensure that uh, he provisioned all the risks uh, and like mitigated all the risks uh, regarding the bias and the hallucination and so on. In case of uh, use case uh, includes uh, some uh, very critical, uh, I don't know, like, uh, uh, critical results or whatever, probably it's better to go back to to the discriminative AI or something else, or even just uh, simple machine learning uh, techniques. Uh, so the other thing, uh, which is really different, like uh, it is a uh, resource management and optimization, uh, because uh, like in case if you want to uh, create a new uh, LLM or even fine tune uh, some other available open source LLM, you will need to request resources inside your organization, whether it will be a public cloud or whether it will be something inside your organization. You will need to understand how to calculate those resources, how to uh, turn, like, uh, make them less, you know, in order to preserve the budget of your department, etc. So, like, I think that those kind of uh, things uh, were not... Um, uh, usual uh, in the previous time. And now, like, they just really become uh, essential. Yeah. No, I think you literally touched upon a very uh, interesting point here because, like, people are kind of, I mean, just listening to all this generative AI stuff and everything. But I feel like sometimes some, sometime I feel that we are pushing down that actual, you know, like, I would say a fundamental AI concept down that bottom of the list, like discriminative AI. Because at the end, the, the, the idea of AI is to more about like augmenting human intelligence. It doesn't matter. We have to basically come up with a generative AI or discriminative AI. 
we still need to have a fundamental uh, idea about how the AI system works. And in such cases, we might need uh, help from a data scientist because they they understand the underlying meaning of an NLP models and what calculation going in that. I mean, at the end, the LLM model is still built upon the same fundamental of bag of words or some of those NLP techniques, right? Um, and I mean, in that case, if somebody will look for someone in the organization, they should first go to the data scientist in order to understand how they can build an NLM model from the scratch with the data they have within the organization. So yeah, it's it's very pivotal uh, phase for even a data scientist to show their potential in terms of how they can influence the, you know, like I would say the more technological innovation in the generative AI area. So thank you for answering that first question. Uh, now, my second question is kind of related because you touched upon that, you know, like, if uh, how a data scientist could be a very influential in the generative AI era. So now we might be thinking about, okay, you mentioned that you know, data scientists should be a kind of a very key stakeholder when it comes to bringing generative AI technology within an organization. So have you thought about like what new skills or knowledge are essential for a data scientist in terms of remain relevant and effective in the era of generative AI? Because as a data scientist, we, you know, if I consider that Venn diagram that we all kind of read in our first semester of our, you know, data science program, that uh, it should be an intersection of mathematics, uh, business algorithms, and, you know, like programming language, right? So apart from that, what, what are the other new skills and knowledge that data scientists should acquire in order to consider themselves or make themselves more kind of like a key players in the field of generative AI in today's world? Yeah, so like the first thing, which probably is no surprise, it will be the prompt engineering. So yeah. I just uh, recently uh, was talking with somebody and uh, he was uh, showing me his prompt, which made a difference uh, during, you know, solving of some business task. And what made a big difference is just one word inside this prompt. Like before he, he had inserted this word, uh, this prompt didn't work. Like it didn't give uh, the relevant result. And just one word changed everything. And uh, it is super important to study how to, uh, you know, trigger the right results from LLM uh, using, you know, the, its current possibilities. So you really need to start uh, learning the uh, prompt engineering. So that's the first thing. So uh, the other the thing which I can think of is uh, web development. Uh, why? Because uh, uh, if before uh, web development and API uh, related development, because like if before uh, uh, it was usually uh, some scripts which you need to do in order to process your data and uh, pro provide some MVP uh, visualization versus, I don't know, like Python, like make some graphs, Python or R or whatever else, you know, scripting language. Um, now, uh, you really need to know APIs and how to work with them uh, and basically some networking experience uh, in order to uh, retrieve the answers from LLM, which is like, can be charged like uh, which can be GPT model, uh, GPT three or four or whatever, or it can be hosted model uh, on your uh, premises uh, made up from uh, from some open source model. Like anyways, you will need this API's uh, knowledge. And the second thing, like if uh, you will just uh, make anything in your uh, script 
uh, using even APIs, um, you will need to demonstrate it somehow to your business uh, uh, customers. And like, I, I believe that uh, you need to have at least minimum knowledge how to make a basic uh, web application, like be it Flask or be it uh, GS or whatever else. Like it really helps. Uh, I can tell you that uh, before I just didn't uh, need it. But as soon as uh, we came like, like now, like uh, we have all this generative AI and so on, I have to do it. Like I, I studied it myself. I just uh, used also the generative AI in order to study it. Um, yeah, and I think it is, uh, it is a essential knowledge. So uh, also, yeah, definitely how to manage your computational resources because I mean, uh, LLMs eat computational resources a lot. And basically uh, this uh, deep uh, neural network concepts, because in case if you will f want to fine tune any kind of existing model, you just need to understand how it works. And uh, last thing, probably that's definitely domain specific knowledge just in order to understand what will be the criteria of uh, success for your model, because you will need to test it before uh, presenting uh, pre uh, presenting to your business users. And um, uh, probably in order to understand which prompt work best, you need to understand like what you want to receive from it. I definitely agree with you, especially as you mentioned that the prompt engineering and the idea of like learning about the web development could be a crucial factors for data scientists to you know excel more in the generative AI world, and especially the prompt engineering because I I just feel like now we are making a machine to work for ourselves. However, we need to make sure that we tame the machine in such a way that uh, the machine would know that what information we are looking for, and the prompt engineering is the best way to communicate with that. So I I feel like prompt engineering is going to be the next uh, coding skill that we need to harness, and it's going to be. It's gonna be the combination of, uh, I would say, uh, our thought process plus how innovative we could be in order to understand that how we can make the machine work. And I, I just feel like that uh, in future we might see a prompt engineering courses becoming more popular or becoming as popular as R and Python programming language skill set as well. And and I also agree with the web app development because uh, in my you know, past experience in my, like when first this chat GPT thing came out, the first thing which I wanted to try is that how we can, uh, you know, play with the GPT, you know, three model, right? And I remember that, um, that I think the platform is still there, that OpenAI actually had a playground, you know, where you, mm -hmm. can, you can just call the API and you can just play with that uh, chatbot, you know, on their playground. And that literally just gave us the concept of API. And then after that, we've seen that plethora of business or AI startups started just by harnessing the model through those API calls. And so it's, it seems like if you have an idea, if you want to translate into a business, you know, like products or something, you mm -hmm. need to have a basic knowledge about web apps. So you can pitch in or you can build a proof of concept that you can pitch into an investor or even like a, you know, um, yeah. capitals right so that's why it's very important for any data scientist or even, even anyone uh, working in the AI field to have a basic idea about how they can translate those uh, LLM models or APIs into an actionable or relatable product uh, that we can actually sell it to the you know parties or sell it to the customer right so it's it's totally relatable so I feel like in future the those uh, you know that more I guess those programming language like Flask or Zango and what is the Streamlit they're going to be more popular. I feel like more people are going to spend more time in enhancing those web platforms because I feel mm -hmm. like 
those Python programming libraries are still kind of at the primitive stage. We still cannot do a lot of like stuff, you know, build a lot of web app, um, you know, very fancy web apps using those languages. But in future, I could see that there'll be more enhancement coming to those Python frameworks that's going to enhance or empower like, you know, data science capacity, data scientists to build more web application by harnessing the power of the model. So I totally mm-hmm. agree with you. And thank you for eloquently say that. And I, 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 I can't imagine that, you know, how crucial it would be in future that we, as we are slowly going towards that low code, you know, world where you don't have to learn a lot of coding, you don't, you don't have to learn the fundamental coding, rather you just have to know basic coding so that you can build a product or wrapper just by, you know, utilizing the AI model or even like a AI power, right? <laughs> so this is it's very fascinating and it's very and as an as a computer science engineer, you know, it, it seems like we are moving to a world where computer science engineers will be more thinking about how they will build a product than you know how they will build that from the scratch or something mm-hmm. like that. I feel like the, the development part is already there. Now it's thinking about how we can we can market that and you know transform it into a like a more marketable product. <laughs> So yeah, that's and that case, I guess data scientists uh, might you know pitch in as long as we have the programming skill set. We we are coming from a software engineering background, so we can definitely learn a new programming language to make ourselves more uh, instrumental or more influential in that uh, risk. So thank you for you know, answering the second question and thank you for sh- sharing some of the very informative uh, stuff that we already discussed uh, in last you know five to ten minutes. And moving on to the next question. Uh, in what ways do data scientists collaborate with generative AI system? And how does this partnership enhance decision-making and innovation? You talked a little bit about that at the beginning when you mentioned something about the differentiation between the discriminative AI versus generative AI. Mm-hmm. As data scientists tend to focus more on the fundamental AI system, but now since we are moving towards more of a generative AI system where we are going to come up with a large, we already came up with a large language model. Now we're going to come up with more um, multi-model model, right? You know, where we're going to actually try to bring more um, different kind of like uh, input types, like text, audio, and video. So in that case, how do you think that data scientists would start uh, like, you know, utilizing their skill set and expertise to make them more like a beneficial to enhance that particular field? Or whether it's uh, enhancing the existing LLM model for an organization or even building a multi-model model from the scratch for a particular system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, probably uh, I can start with uh, uh, new scenes, which can we can do uh, better with uh, generative AI than uh, with uh, like usual AI. Definitely it is like, I mean, that's the uh, most famous stuff. It's a coding uh, co-pilot uh, because uh, Basically, if before uh, all the data scientists need to, uh, you know, uh, study or write code by their own, now it is possible uh, in some cases to ask uh, generative AI to generate some small snippets of code or whatever else uh, based on the prompts. And uh, I just wanted to uh, mention one more uh, important scene, which probably sometimes overlooked. Uh, definitely, uh, 
because I, I was uh, looking a lot of uh, time in the advertisements, like, okay, somebody just put some prompt in the generative AI and uh, it gave them uh, a complete application uh, which can run and uh, do some business task. I mean, it definitely probably can be done. Uh, but I think that uh, in case if you don't uh, uh, specify a super informative prompt, uh, it will overlook uh, some important items uh, while generating this code. If you are not checking what uh, Generative AI had uh, given to you, uh, you probably will have some issues further either with security or with uh, uh, optimization of uh, performance or whatever else. Because in case if you will not uh, state to generative AI what it should make this code for, like on which uh, parameter it need to optimize this code, probably you won't get a good result out of it. So I just suggest like, uh, like personally, again, like it's not <laughs> my company suggestion, it's just my personal suggestion. Like I just suggest uh, really to uh, do instead of uh, plain generation of code, ask uh, uh, generative AI about engineering options, uh, what you can do uh, in certain case. And based on what it will reply you, uh, you will first need to check it somewhere like in Google, like uh, in Stack Overflow, wherever else. And second, uh, you need to make up your own mind uh, which uh, of these engineering options you will choose for your code. Definitely, it will take much more time than just automatically generating something out of uh, the engine, but you will get a very uh, tailored code for your particular business task and your challenges, like namely like security, uh, uh, performance of the application, or probably output, uh, which you want to uh, uh, make, etc. Because uh, again, like if you generating something automatically, you never know on which uh, parameter uh, generative AI optimize. Uh, while giving you the output. So that's the first thing. Uh, the second thing, it is like uh, how uh, definitely uh, uh, data scientists can uh, benefit from uh, generative AI is uh, it's that data generation uh, because uh, you can just load uh, to the generative AI certain like data. Of course, it should be uh, compliant to your organization uh, security and uh, privacy and I mean data privacy rules etc like it should be something probably internal I don't know like depending on your organization rules and you can generate uh, another uh, portion of data which will be uh, you know having the same patterns like it will just help you to get uh, more accurate models afterwards so or you can do uh, some interactive data um, uh, exploration when you will just uh, uh, feed some data into generative AI and ask uh, certain questions, um, like instead of remembering like snippets of code, like how to do this and that kind of operation, like it will be just a little bit quicker. Yeah, you will just do absolutely the same thing which you do usually, but you will do it just, I mean, a little bit more quicker. Um, and yeah, decision, like decision support, it's uh, about... Uh, for example, uh, you are making uh, certain uh, certain also like uh, business decisions. You are just simulating uh, some outcomes from the data which you have. Like in case if you want to make some model, like it will just help you to make some simulations. Yeah, I mean, I guess, I mean, if I just, you know, go back to the first point you mentioned when you started addressing the question, like, for example, you mentioned that co-pilot where you know we can just literally go there and um, is utilizing the prompt engineering technique, uh, we can get the 
full line of code like into it, right? How I prefer the chat, you know, actually, I just prefer even like not the copilot. I prefer the chat. I just uh, first uh, make, uh, what you, you want know, it's going to spit out everything, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because like I, I I prefer the chat because like it uh, can generate first your snippets of code, then you just compare uh, how uh, in Stack Overflow or any anywhere else the same task is uh, solved. Then you, then, you, then you ask about the differences, like why did you make this kind of engineering solution uh, during generating this snippet of code, and it explains you like uh, for example if you will change this parameter to that uh, option. Uh, your runtime in JavaScript, for example, look like that. Like it will, you know, for example, run comments in the reverse direction or whatever. I don't. Yeah, I think it, it's kind of like makes me thinking that it's, it's it's not about like you know just um, putting efforts to write a code line by line, rather having the skills or expertise so you can assess the code. You can yeah. understand how the end-to-end -end code flow works, okay? You don't have to, like, you know, write a for loop maybe just to for an automation purpose, or you might not to run a particular, like, a function anymore. You mm -hmm. know, chat GPT will do that, or generative AI will do that. However, you should have an understanding to know how that function is working, or if yeah. you want to tweak that function, you need to know the where to go, which line of code you need to change so that the function would work the way you want that thing to work you know yes so that's where actually data scientists need to utilize their programming skill set to make the machine work or you know make the generative ai i would i feel like like you know just going back to my previous uh statement it's, it's kind of like augmenting the human intelligence it's not going it's kind of like taking away some of the work from our end which is in a way fine so that we don't have to spend uh kind of like time to make a process mundane process like autonomous or something like that you know Genetically, I can do that kind of stuff. However, it's going to give us more time or bandwidth so we can uh, definitely bring our critical thinking process to see how we can make the overall engineering process better. So, I mean, it's going to like open up a lot of like a different uh, thought process or, and it might bring a different kind of innovative thoughts that a data scientist might have never thought about it because they always yeah. walk down in doing something else in terms of building a neural network model or something like that but now maybe we could think about that how we can build a neural network model without uh, spending a lot of time uh, doing trial and error approach because we still yeah. don't know what's the optimal point of uh, how many hidden layers how many neurons we should add in a hidden layer. by the way you can also define like whether you need to build this yeah. neural so, network so at all you know like and yeah. build, and build on top of that so we don't have to spend that initial research that doing the trial and error, you know, to find that optimal point of the neural network where you can get the maximum throughput from the model. We don't have to spend that time. Genetic AI will do that. But maybe you can just build on top of that and you can basically just accelerate your modeling work or whatever, you know, like. <laughs> so I think that's where I guess, yeah, I guess data scientists would come in, uh, play a very crucial role in terms of like, I would say that making generative AI work in more efficient way, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. Because by by allowing them to work on their particular thought process or you know following their specific instruction will also help the generative AI system to learn more from us. So it's more of like an I would say a two-way street. Like the we are going to learn more and we uh, generative AI is going to take away some of the workload from our plate. However, on the other side I would think in a way that data scientists will also help generative AI by feeding more thoughts or, you know, making generative AI think about how you can 
make certain engineering decision to improve the process further. Um, thank you. I mean, it's a great, interesting discussion. I'm pretty sure my listeners are enjoying the discussion uh, so far. So uh, now we actually come down to the final question of this uh, session. And the, the, the final question is, uh, how critical is the role of data scientists in ensuring the ethical use and responsible development of generative AI? Uh, I remember that you uh, you talked a little bit about you know the responsibleness of the AI since we had a lot of like you know uh, we, we we heard of a lot of you know like a model bias situation we heard a lot of things about how we are going to use AI to make sure that we, the AI is going to have a proper guardrail in terms of not misusing you know like in a model bias situation it's not gonna like discriminate certain demographic and are gonna be inclined to a certain bias decision. So how do you think that data scientists will actually play a crucial role in that terms of like, you know, decisioning, decision making, where we can bring more responsible AI to the, into the picture and, you know, just try to eradicate some of the model bias or AI bias that we have seen in the recent years? Yeah, it's a, actually a critical role which uh, data scientists will play. Why? Because, again, I think that uh, he will need to be uh, more close to the domain experts. Like, uh, he will need to have better domain expertise in order to understand what uh, kind of output his use case will give uh, while he will realize it uh, on the generative AI. And then he will need to know uh, all the details about uh, the generative AI which he, uh, he had chosen, like whatever model it will be, uh, the one which is uh, public or the one which he trained himself uh, or fine-tuned himself. Uh, he will need to understand which kind of bias can come from that model. And then he will need to compile uh, basically a like, uh, list of cases where he will need to restrict usage of this model like in in uh, like towards like this kind of domain and so on uh probably some cases uh will not be uh implementable at all like uh due to the existing bias some cases will be implementable but you will need to make uh, certain uh, rules or certain you know like uh checks uh, over the time, automatic or, you know, like human checks uh, in order not, you know, in order to prevent bad consequences. Uh, yeah, in some cases, it, it can be just uh, uh, used uh, like it is. For example, if you are making the use case of retrieving documentation for, I don't know, like from the library, like in case if you will uh, retrieve, uh, like from the usual library, in case if you will retrieve uh, a book or some, you know, like uh, text, uh, which is not very relevant to your task, like uh, to what user had asked you, probably he will be unhappy. But uh, I mean, it's not very critical. Like, I mean, nothing will happen. He will just, you know, like type another query or whatever. Uh, but in case if... Uh, uh, you are solving the healthcare issue, like uh, any kind of uh, uh, answers to the patients, etc. And uh, generative AI will give some, uh, you know, uh, bad response uh, in terms of whatever else, like personality or, uh, you know, factual error or hallucination or whatever else. Uh, it can cost somebody life. So, like, you just really need to understand as a data scientist, like, which kind of application you are really do, uh, do you really uh, have opportunity to use generative AI in this particular case? If yes, which checks do you need to implement uh, after you have uh, implemented the use case itself? 
yeah man how you even can how even you consider the the overall like demographic and how is your sample size would be when it comes to build that ai because uh, at the end it's all boils down to how dispersed your data set is how many points your data sets are covering when it comes to like building your uh, input you know input data for the model and i feel like that's in that case data scientists can pitch in and they can actually make life uh, i would say they would basically like help the team to build the data set which are going to be the main you know like a secret sauce for building a model that can eradicate some of the biasness and i think i think sometimes i feel like the data scientists could play a crucial role being that QA person, the quality assurance person of this generative AI system, because at that they can utilize their skill set, their expertise to properly assess a generative AI system and understand that how you know responsible the system is, whether it's like you know showing any sort of like a, I would say like a inclinedness to a particular demographics or a distribution to a certain community. So in that case, I feel like a data scientist could help and eradicate or maybe alleviate some of those model biasness by maybe going back to the basic and see how the data sets are, how the model has been like a trained. If it was not trained on certain data, then, you know, at least data scientists can help to retrain the model with that additional data. And mm -hmm. I guess that's where I guess um, I would, you know, as like, in, like you mentioned, the data scientists would definitely help to ensure that the ethical practices would be followed when it comes in, comes, uh, in terms of like, you know, generative AI practices in the modern world. Um, so I think that kind of like brings me uh, to the like end of this session. However, I would definitely uh, give you an opportunity, Marina, if you would like to speak for yourself, or you would like to share any perspective or opinions about how uh, my viewers or listeners could storm into the field of generative AI. If I have any data scientist over here who is listening to this uh, particular show, I would definitely want the person to just listen to Marina's uh, feedback or suggestion about how you can consider yourself um, a, cru a crucial player in this generative AI role. Or if you want to learn more about generative AI, how would you start uh, you know, as a data scientist? So Marina, just uh, take it away. If you have any share, if you want to share any suggestions or perspective that could help a data scientist to break into this generative AI world, uh, feel free to uh, share that with my viewers or listeners. Yeah, probably just to start with uh, doing something like uh, you are, uh, you have uh, probably an opportunity to uh, have a subscription from the public available uh, uh, LLMs, uh, and you can use a subscription for very simple tasks which are not really related to any kind of uh, you know private information or whatever else. Like, don't start with uh, some production tasks, definitely, in those public API, uh, APIs or public uh, networks. But you just uh, read some literature about prompt engineering. You try uh, certain, you know, life tasks, which are not very, you know, like, uh, secret or whatever else. And, like, look how it works. Like, look how it works, what it takes you to make a good prompt, uh, what it takes you to have a result just for your, you know, day-to-day -day tasks. Now, when you are good with that, like, start doing something uh, in, in the coding uh, area. Like, start uh, trying to make a good, like, a better uh, code and start studying some new framework uh, in uh, software engineering using the uh, chat. And I think that uh, as soon as you will be, uh, uh, you know, uh, experimenting for some time, like for a couple of months at least, I think you will be uh, 
uh, more uh, aware what this uh, kind of uh, tools can do for you and uh, start implementing it at work or yeah i mean thanks ma marina i mean at the end i guess to my viewers and listeners you know like it's always like uh, you have to follow the self learning approach especially in the genetic ai world the tons of information are out there and like there are so many core online courses out there even there are some free courses which you can take to learn more about prompt engineering like marina i mean eloquently said that how prompt engineering can help you to be uh, more efficient in terms of utilizing the power of generative ai and make it to your work you know you useful product right so so try try you know get some hands-on experience see if you can you know plug into a gpt 3.5 model or any other LLM models whether it's meta's model or google's you know gemini model try to see if you can you know just plug into those models via the api and maybe just pull some data or maybe even build a web app utilizing those models and see if you can just build your own chatbots or something that can help you in your daily work so it doesn't have to be like you know something aligned with your uh, organization's objectives but you can definitely build uh, something that can help you in your personal life work uh, i think the whole generative ai world definitely open up a pandora box for all of us as well we can definitely utilize some of the powers of the LLM models to do something that we might have not thought about it before so having said that uh, i'm gonna wrap up this session Thanks, Marina. Thanks for your time, your perspective, and your viewpoints about all the discussion topics. It was my pleasure to have, uh, have you here for this podcast session. I'm pretty sure my viewers and listeners enjoyed your uh, thought process, your viewpoints, and all the opinions that you shared throughout the show. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, Sam. Thank you. And for my viewers and listeners, please keep following and subscribing to my channel. I'll definitely come back with another exciting podcast episode aligned with generative AI and other technical innovation stuff very soon. Thank you.